Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi folks, uh, Phil Walker here, uh, Wisdom Cricket Monthly Editor-in-Chief, um, and you're joining us for episode two of the rebooted, restyled, sexy new Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. Um, I'm joined uh, for the second week in a row by Benedict Gardner, uh, the housewife's favourite, and of course by Joe Harmon, um, the legend of Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, magazine editor, uh, all-round stalwart. Um, cheers for joining us, chaps. Um, another hefty week on Planet Cricket. I'm going to get straight to the point because I know everyone's busy out there in the big, big bad world. Ben Gardner, what's your moment of the week? Well, it feels a bit self-involved, but I, I interviewed. Not like you. <laughs> I, I interviewed uh, Ollie Pope yesterday. Who oh, did you know? Yeah, he might just be uh, uh, England's next great batsman, and uh, so that, that 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 was quite exciting. I guess I was I was mildly impressed. Well, when I was quite impressed, really. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be glad to hear that. I'm sure that he managed to impress Ben Gardner. <laughs> I, I, just briefly, I did say this to you after the interview yesterday. I said, oh, it must be quite a special thing. You're, you're a young boy yourself, Ben. You're about 12 years old. And you interviewed England's next big thing. And you said, yeah, but I've interviewed Sachin. I've interviewed Dravid. It's all, it's all water off a duck's back now. Yeah, Sangakara. Pr- pr- all right, all right. We don't need the actual list. Pr- pr- be sure as well. Sure. So, so tell, tell us about Ollie, Ollie Pope. What were your impressions of him as a, as a young, preternaturally talented uh, and mature young batsman? I think quietly intense is... Kind of how I sum up. I imagine he reflects quite quite hard. He, we talked a bit about the uh, the One Day Cup final last year when uh, it was his second or third game for Surrey, I think, and uh, he uh, he dropped Alex Hales in about nine, and he went on to make 180 a brilliant innings. But Ollie Pope was inconsolable. He said he, uh, he about three weeks after as he was just down in the dumps, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he kind of said that the only thing that really got about it properly was winning another title with Surrey, which is uh, what well, he's obviously now done. But that was. Um, there's rarely been a more clear-cut example of someone dropping a match, as because Hale's got all the runs for knots, didn't he? In that in that chase, I will yeah. give you Kieran Moray, 1990 Lords dropped Gooch on 30 odd, right? And he got 333. That is that's, that, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. big one. Yeah, um, but I mean, and yeah, so there's a lot of reasons why you would be quite downtrodden about Chris this. Scott, but... Drop Mara, 18. 
an 18. Five sure. One. All right, yeah. forget that. Fine. Moving on. Sorry. Sorry. Separate podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah sure. So, so there are a lot of reasons why you'd be quite downtrodden about that because it was such a such, such a big moment and so early in your career, but still that it took him so long to get up. And he said something like, I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform. It just, it feels like he's got, he's, he's got drive, but you, you, you kind of hope that it kind of works in the right way for him. Yeah. Affable. Nice, approachable. Yeah, open. yeah, yeah. Reasonably, he did, there was a nice moment when he, when he did a he did he did a swear and then sort of uh, yeah, I know. Was and, it a and big swear? It, it was it was the f word. No. Yeah, and then and then sort of was like, oh, sorry, and obviously just recording it on a dictaphone so I can edit out whatever he says, and I couldn't give a shit whether he swears or not. Oh, so, nicely done. That was his joke nice. plan. That's what yeah, I told you. Yeah, he had a joke plan. Yeah. Joe Harmer, what's your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week is Weird England. Uh, yeah. England's ODI yeah. team who. Uh, uh, exceptionally brilliant most of the time these days, I and mean, we've become smugly brilliant. Mm. Um, but then lost in grand style yesterday. Uh, what was it? Two hundred nineteen run defeat, record ODI defeat for England against what until that point it looked like a pretty weak Sri Lankan side. Mm. Uh, they'd wrapped up the series a couple of days earlier. In truth, they haven't played their best cricket throughout this series. Partly, it's been the nature of on and off rain affected games. I think Owen Morgan said this isn't a setback ahead of the World Cup, and I think there's some truth in that. The series was wrapped up. For the team, but I think it probably is a setback for some of the individuals involved. England have only got five games, I think, before they picked their World Cup squad. Sam Curran didn't have a great day yesterday, expensive, didn't score any runs, hasn't got a brilliant list day record. I think he needs to do something quite special to get in that squad with David Woody potentially coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Wood, again, with Ollie Stone on the fringes, not a great day for him as well. So it might not mean that much in the grand scheme of things for England, the team, but for some of the individuals involved. They might not have another chance to necessarily press their claim to be in that squad next summer. All right, we're going to come back to England's uh, hits and misses of this ODI series a little bit later on. Uh, my moment of the week, uh, well, I was deeply thrilled to see Kusil Mendes turn it around. Kusil Mendes is, is one of the best young talents in world cricket. Um, he's, what, 23, 24. Um, he's made test hundreds. He's made good test hundreds as well, but he's had a stinker. In one day cricket of late, three noughts and a five in his last uh, few innings. And he turned it around with a kind of freewheeling 50-odd from 30-odd balls in that final game that you mentioned. There were one or two shots which were memorably brilliant. He straight drove Tom Curran for six out the ground. Um, There's not much of him, but he hits a long ball and he's got real pedigree. And I just hope that he can take that kind of form into this test series. So it was good to see that. Another lad as well, another kid from around the traps. And Shimron Hetmeyer as well, who we followed his, his, his course. He was a star at under-19s level for the West Indies. Um, he struggled a little bit in the test, test setup up to now. But when he plays one-day cricket, um, he's got real pedigree already. 13 ODIs and 300s already. Um, he's 21 years young. And in the first game against India, uh, he smashed a brilliant 100. Impetuous 100, but he gave it away still with 11 overs to go when he could have gone on and got a monster. But... Overall, it's good to see that these young kids are coming through and that they are making a case for themselves. Especially in two of the more downtrodden nations as well as sort of hope in the future. Yeah, indeed. And those countries more than anyone else need these players to come through, can't they? If India, a few of their great batsmen don't quite make it, they've got another whole stop. West Indies and Sri Lanka, they need these guys to come good. Particularly Mendes, who's... When was it he scored that century against Australia to win the series? I think it was two years ago now as a 21-year-old, 170-odd, um, pretty much 50% of his team's runs in that in that innings. It's not been a huge amount since, though. And speaking to Sangakara, as you have done over the last few months, he's been saying that he needs to kind of go back to playing his more aggressive game to get out of this slump. And that, that's what he did. That's what he did. Exactly. He opened his shoulders straight away and it was, it was great to see. 
Um, but of course, as ever, uh, the, the, the spectre of, of Virat Kohli um, casts a huge shadow over everything in cricket these days. And, and every week, uh, he just creates a new slice of history um, in the last half an hour, just as we were getting ready for this podcast with our moments of the week ready to roll. Um, he takes himself up to 10,000 ODI runs. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben Gardner, 11 innings for his last 1,000 runs in ODI cricket. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. 11 innings for his 1,000 runs in wow. the year as well, wow. which is, I guess, unsurprising. But it's the quickest anyone's reached 1,000 runs in a calendar year. The one that stood out for me of all the stats that are flowing around Twitter at the moment as well, that... Uh, this actually got more runs after this point, but it was averaging 93 in ODI cricket since the start of 2016. Oh, it's game, which is yeah. just, just ridiculous. Obviously, no one's ever touched these heights before in ODI cricket. Can we think of any that, that have even got anywhere near it? A sustained run of, of deep purple form. Are there any? I mean, you look at career... Sorry, this is not quite the answer to the question, but looking broadly... Viv's record still stands out as extraordinary for that time. So although you can't necessarily compare him and Coley, Viv to everyone else compare that him time, to his era. compares to Coley everyone else yeah. time. And I think his strike rate was in the mid-80s. I, I, I think low-90s. Like it was in 90s, which, so, okay. yeah. which at that time is extraordinary. I mean, that would have been extraordinary uh, kind of 10 years ago, let yeah. alone during his time. Yeah. Purple patches in, in well, Ben, have you got any of this, of this nature? Of the last year that Coley's had? I mean, there was for a time, Coley would be the quickest to each thousand run mark and Hashim Amla would break it. But I imagine that like, it's going to take quite a lot of work for him to, to reach 10,000 quicker than, than Coley has. So, I mean, not not, not a 10,000 run purple patch, which is what... Because, I mean, even overall in, in ODI's... <laughs> this is what it is, isn't it? It's a 10,000 run purple patch. He's average, I mean, he's averaging 96 at the start of 2016. He's averaging 60 overall. Quinton de Kock's another one. His, his first uh, stint in ODI's was extraordinary. He... Did it equal Viv's record for the fastest to the thousands? Yeah, it's, it's equivalent amount of innings. And Peterson as well was up there, wasn't he? Of yeah. course, he began with 300s in South Africa then came back, made another 100 back in England that 2005 summer. There are a few, but this is Coley's world and we just live in it. Mm. Back to that ODI series then, um, just gone, England... Won it comfortably 3-1, but of course uh, put in a stinking performance in the final game. Five games to go against the West Indies, as you mentioned before. The uh, squad's going to be announced for next year's World Cup. Where are we at? What are the um, what are the runners and riders looking like? What are the uh, the hits and misses uh, as we move towards the naming of that squad? Uh, how, how's it going to play out, Joe? What do you think, based on what you've seen over the last couple of weeks? Um, I think the bowling is where the, the selection headaches are and I don't think this series has done anything to solve that really. Ollie Stone looked exciting at the start but then was expensive in his last game. Um, I think we're looking at probably a head-to-head battle with Sam Curran and David Willey. I'd be surprised to see them both in the in the squads given that they have kind of similar skill sets, similar roles. Okay. Um, on that, ben, yeah. on that, Ben, where are you going to go? Because that, we were talking about this the other day, Curran versus Willey, two southpaws. Two left-handers, two lower-order batsmen. Um, which way would you go, first of all? For me, if you had another six months, if the World Cup was next September, I'd give Sam Curran a proper run and then try and get him ready. But right now, I'd, I'd pick David Willey. I think Why? I, I've, I've I've been with you in the past that he's kind of like he's been he's been picked with the first four of the innings and that's it. But he he was he was really good against Australia and he kind of looked like maybe he'd sort of cracked it a bit and he he batted as well as he has on an international cricket like we've seen in. T20s in England that he can 
he can hit it miles. He just hadn't hadn't done it at all. He made a match winning thirty odd, didn't he, at the Oval? Uh, to win that first, that scrappy first ODI against Australia. Yeah, and might have made a half century in that series as well, yeah. I think. Joe, what, what, uh, how do you see that battle between those two lefties? Uh, I think I would go David Willey as well. I think Sam Curran, you look at his one-day record, it's fine, but it's not exceptional. Most of the brilliant things he's done so far in his career have been with the with the Red Bull. Um, I think Willey consistently takes wickets early doors, which is absolutely crucial. Uh, and with England's makeup the side, doesn't even have to come back on necessarily. Even if he's bowling five overs and comes in and gives it a smash at number nine, that's that's quite a valuable role to have. And I think there's got to be a respect for what this side have done with those players. And Sam Curran is an exceptionally talented cricketer, very very exciting. But England have got to number one through doing certain things, and David Woody has been quite a big part of that actually. So I'd, I'd be loath to change it at this stage. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm am, I'm ambivalent about this one. Um, I think to ask Sam Curran to open the bowling, which is obviously what Willie does for this England ODI side, in a World Cup at his age with his relative lack of experience is a huge ask. But on the flip side of that, he has proved that he develops at a, an unreasonably quick pace. And what, what we saw with his bat in particular last summer um, was a, an appetite for the occasion uh, and a maturity in how we approach the game situation that I that I would like to see, because England are going to collapse once or twice, and I think this World Cup's not going to be won by three eighty versus three seventy. I think it's going to be won by those arsenipper games, those two sixty, two fifties on slag heat pitches where they're tired and they've, they've been played on for a number of weeks, and it's there where I wonder if someone like Current could offer that little bit of magic in that last fifteen overs with the bat when he could. He could take you home. He could show that he's got that kind of, that nous, um, as he showed, in the, of course, in the Test Series against India. I can see with the ball, I would favour Willie. I think the overall package, I would lean just a tiny bit towards Sam Curran. What we might see as well, I mean, Curran will probably play quite a bit of Test cricket between now and the Test score being announced. And even though it's a completely different format, different conditions, he might make himself, uh, he just has to be picked. He's that exciting. He's done that much stuff for England. He has to be picked. And I, I, that is a conceivable um, way it could play out but I think if I was picking a squad tomorrow yeah well not tomorrow because Willie's injured but if I was picking a squad tomorrow for a World Cup yeah. next summer uh, I'd be going Willie rather than Curran and th- right. this is England if they go with a, a left armour as well because the other options is that aren't in the I say the established teams at the moment would be Plunkett and Wokes and then Stokes and you've got the two spinners so you've got so you'd have Mark Wood and Tom Curran would be the others I know you've got to pick Three of those four, is that you got to pick in the end? Yeah, I think in a 15, that's how it works. I'm I'm worried for Mark Wood. Uh, He's one of my favourite cricketers in England. But he also seems to be cursed uh, by bad timing and a a fragile body, Mm. and specifically uh, a fragile ankle. Um, He seems to have lost that that knack of of affecting games, um, that he gives it everything he has, but that potency and that kind of game-changing pace that he can offer. He, can t- he used to be able to take wickets in the middle overs as well as maybe nick one out in the first 10. Uh, he seems to have mislaid that a little bit. Ben, can you have some stats to back me up on that? This is certainly the impression that I that I have, and he seems to be straining ever harder. Admittedly, Sri Lankan pitches are not great for him, but it seemed like the harder he bowled in that last game, the further he went. Well, the, the concern for me, whilst Ben finds some stats, uh, the concern for me is Hell that Mark Wood to... To Mark Wood to stay on the pitch for any period of time seems to mean that he can't bowl at his best. And if he's not bowling at his best and his quickest, is he worth a place on that yeah. side? And that's the balance he seems to strike. And I feel massively for him because he's had so many injuries 
and a couple of them have come from him pushing himself too hard to yeah. above 90 miles an hour but the brutal reality is the when he's bowling 80, 85 miles an hour is he in England's best four four seamers I don't know if he is really no, indeed indeed I, I hope he makes the squad he'd be a good person to have in that 15 um but he, I spoke to him last year at a, at a junket, and he's too honest. Uh, he's too upfront about his vulnerabilities, insecurities, frailties, and he was saying. Not often to, we say that as journalists. No, no, indeed. <laughs> but but I, I almost kind of wanted him just to put a sock in it a little bit because he was saying, "Yeah, I am concerned. I am concerned that I'm not taking wickets at the same rate that I used to. I, I don't know why I can't take wickets at test level. I don't know why I don't have that kind of." incisiveness that I used to. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing massively and I'm not trying the accent, but that was what he was saying to me. Uh, you can be too honest sometimes as a sportsman. Um, I hope I hope he stays fit. I hope he plays some of those games against the West Indies and I hope that he can get that mojo back because he's a joy to have around that team. I hope, he's, hope he makes that squad. But I do worry. I do worry about his, his effectiveness at this level at this stage. I can see Ben eagerly. His eyes have got that kind of widened. He's, he's going to prove me wrong. He's going to prove me wrong. No, on. no, I'm going to prove you right. So he's, oh. he's got 13 wickets and 16 ODIs this year and he's averaging almost 60 with the ball. Yeah. And yeah, the thing for me is are, are the, the one wicket that stands out of his for me is the Champions Trophy against New Zealand when England have made just over 300 and Kane Williams looked like he was going to cruise it. And it was a completely and he flat hit. Pants, right? No, I, I think he just got one to bounce a bit, and it just popped oh, up, it. and he, and he oh, got yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And that was it. It just changed the game. England won quite comfortably after that. And yeah, and and, if, and he did that to Amler as well in an ODI a year or two ago. Amler mm-hmm. cruised to seventy odd, and he just he just broke one through his defences and hit him on the pad. If you can offer that, if you can go for one for sixty and eight overs, but that one is a key man then you're doing your job as a modern-day seamer in ODI. I think they'll give him every chance. I think he'll play a big part in West Indies. And I think they want him in that squad, but um, no guarantees at all at this moment, I wouldn't say. Uh, ben Stokes batted well on one leg in the final game. Um, he averages 50-plus in ODIs over the last, I don't know, Ben, what, dozen games or so? Maybe a little bit further than that. Since I think since the start of 2016, when Cody's averaging 90. But Right, sure, OK, but there's... Yeah, there's eggs and eggs. Um, it's, it's good to see, though, that Stokes is back on board. We were talking about him last week, so we won't go overboard on Stokes, but uh, he's obviously critical to England, and it'd be great to see if he can take that kind of form into the Test Series. He, he, did, he did throw his toys out the pram a bit last night when they were when they were struggling and they were getting smashed to all parts. He was he was the one who kind of was most... Yeah, not only were they, were they poor with bat and ball and in the field, they dropped two, two dollies, but they were. They were... Twitchy, tetchy. Yeah, you can argue one led to another. I mean, it was the bad feeling that led to him getting angry. Not that those reactions aren't helpful at any point, but Tom Curran gave his, his younger brother a bollocking at one stage as well, and Stokes had a, had a go at mowing. Uh, and Bayliss was actually uncharacteristically strong yesterday, saying that, um, yeah, to question the attitude, question the fielding, uh, which is interesting because Bayliss has been, well, he's reluctant to criticise the test team, even though they've had some pretty shocking performances. Mm-hmm. But I think he obviously sees with this team, they have reached that level, yeah. of, a, of a brilliant level, that when they slip below that, he can be quite frank about it. And I think that's a positive thing. I think it comes, Owen Morgan will be exactly the same as well. Uh, he can be brutally honest when he needs to be. Just have to hope these slip-ups don't matter when it, well, happen when it actually matters. Uh, just very briefly, and a total aside, but eventually I think the story might come round full circle. Matt Parkinson, the young leggy at Lancashire, has been snapped up by Melbourne Stars to feature in their big bash over the winter, their 20-over tournament. Um, we've talked about him a lot, Joe. Um, he looks to us 
to our reasonably trained eye, although neither of us are particularly strong, uh, spinning the ball away from the bat. He looks like a special talent, doesn't he? And he proved it again in our T20 tournament in the finals day. He was brilliant. He gives it a rip. His right shoulder comes right through. He's, there's a lot of energy on that ball. And this is just another stage in what we hope is quite an interesting, intriguing career. Yeah, and he, when I've seen him on, on TV in the Blast, uh, he seems to love the big occasions as yeah. well. He's done really well in Rose's matches. Obviously, going and playing these T20 leagues around the world is only going to help. Um, I think there'll be three spinners in that squad. I think Dawson is is ahead of him. They like what he offers as an all-round package. But Parkinson can't be too far behind now. I thought they'd have picked him. I thought he might play in this T20. But I guess as it's a one-off, is there much point in having players just for a single game? Um, but I think it will just be a matter of time before he gets a chance in, in the white ball stuff. And there's a route in as well, I guess, if he takes loads of wickets in the BBL and then they pick the series for the, the squad for the West Indies and then he plays, plays in that and takes takes nine wickets or something. Yeah. There, there's, it's, it's not impossible. I mean, he's not he's not the front runner at the moment, but there's, yeah. there's a there's way in for, for him into that side, I think. I, I think the World Cup is too early, but uh, it is great to see a young leggy coming through um, who looks like he has... The, the kind of the, the balls to pull off that that skill as well as the as well as the ability. Um, we yeah, we wish him well when he heads off to Melbourne, and we'll be seeing a lot more of him. Right then, folks, drum roll! Uh, it's the week that Wisdom Cricket Monthly issue thirteen hits the shelves. By the time you listen to this, the magazine will be out. Ready to pick up wisdom.com and all the other outlets. Uh, Joe Harmon, who steers this beautiful ship. Uh, what are your standouts from this particular issue? Um, well, we've got a Women's World T20 to look forward to in the Caribbean in a couple of weeks. Uh, looking to do the double. Uh, they haven't had both world titles since 2009. Uh, so a massive opportunity, massive opportunity for the women's game in general with a standalone tournament for the first time. Uh, so we to celebrate that we went to Lords, Phil and I, and uh, did an excellent photo shoot with Danny White, Catherine Brunt, Amy Jones, Sophie Eccleston, and Sophia Dunkley, the newbie, uh, which uh, adorns the cover of the new magazine. Uh, and then within that, we had an exclusive interview with with Danny White, who best, best cover we've done. Uh, it's certainly the most fun cover we've done. I think I always change each month. You're, but... you're quite a somber chap sometimes. Though, <laughs> no, I, like... I like this one. I, I like this one. one. Last time we did, we had Heather Knight and Tammy Mabel and Nat Silver on the cover before, and it looked quite stern and serious. But I mean, this time we wanted to kind of capture some of the, the personalities in that team because the names are becoming more well known since they won the World Cup last summer, but the characters perhaps still not so much. And there are some big characters in that in that dressing room. I think it's fair to say they're quite enjoying their their bit of fame, and absolutely why not? And Danny White, in particular, she was talking about. Uh, being in India for that women's challenge T20 game last year and seeing uh, Smriti Mandana being kind of mobbed and selfies being taken and she was saying it in a kind of in awe and all I said do you want do you want to be that famous and she said yeah why not and mm-hmm. and why not and if there's a women's IPL on the horizon which there most certainly is possibly next year Danny says um, then she's got the potential to be a massive star which is quite extraordinary given that she made her debut what, seven years ago for for England, I think, even longer than that, maybe eight years ago, and didn't do much for a long period of time, was in and out of the side, a, a middle-order batsman, an opening batsman, a bowler who didn't bat and didn't nail any of them. And now, after 200s in T20 in the space of three innings, I think it was, she's now become a massively important part of this England team, and her and Tammy Beaumont's opening partnership, I think, will be the key to either winning or not winning this tournament. Um, you, you've backed them to win it, haven't you? I have. 
Yeah, uh, is that I just wild patriotism? Possibly. Uh, no, I think it's a two-horse race. I think I think Australia looked really strong, beat New Zealand very comfortably recently. But then New Zealand are kind of not not at the, at the races at the moment, so I think it's hard to read too much into that. I think it'll be in Australia in the final, and really it's kind of 50-50 when we get there. That Danny's got a stunt double as well. That's a one step on the road to stardom. Yeah, so she was so busy that day, she couldn't do all the filming for the Sky Sports promo, so they got an incredibly good stunt double. Um, what, what's her name there, Phil? You've got a name, Olivia Snooks. Olivia what Snooks. What a name. That's, that's a name, a name to, as to well. conjure with. That's a mighty name, this name, if you've heard about Olivia Snooks from Felsted School, uh, brought in by, by Claire Skinner, of course, the ineffable Claire Skinner. Yeah, it's a beautiful feature, that one, Joe. Um, all your own hand, of course. Um, anything else from this particular beauty that jumps out? Elsewhere, um, looking further afield than, than this country, because we, we do that in the magazine. Do we? We do it quite a lot, actually. Very outward-looking, aren't we? Um, <laughs> so, Suresh Menonni, our excellent India correspondent, um, did a brilliant piece on Prithvi Shaw, the next superstar of uh, mm-hmm. Indian cricket who obviously is ridiculously good um, and showed that on his test debut, hitting a run of all century against West Indies. Uh, and so he's got a really nice piece looking into his background, where he's come from. Um, he, he was kind of low middle class in India and was identified as a massive talent. And then just everyone throws money at you, everyone throws sponsorship at you, everyone wants to take you to England because you just become this this star in, in waiting. And, and that's exactly what's happened with with Shaw, uh, who, Ben, you, you've come across him in the under-19 World Cup earlier this year? Yeah, I did. and He's better than you, isn't he? Uh, he's a bit better than me at cricket. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, maybe a bit at chess, I don't know. Yeah, you probably uh, would. Uh, but, yeah, he, I mean, he's, in a way, the most confident person I've ever come across, but he's wow. he, he's almost so confident that it doesn't, it's not at all kind of off-putting, it doesn't make you dislike him at all, because he, he kind of knows exactly how good he is and doesn't feel like there's any need to prove it, so... And he, he gets on really well with, with all the players that he sort of interacts with. Like, he knew the young guys quite well from having toured there. And so, like, during that... during that, Hasn't he played with the number 546 on his back because he made that score? No, the, the, the 100. He, he wears 100 on his back. Uh, I think he has also won... Five, oh, has he, he's done both. Five or six after, yeah, earlier in his career after it. But he made it as a schoolboy, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, during that <laughs> tournament, they had, the, they had the IPL auction and he got bought for, for loads of money, sort of a, a millionaire overnight. And... Actually, like, I think Raul Dravapur had quite a bit to do with this, but you, and he so he was the captain. You, you didn't really notice the squad change that much. I mean, the, the thing that changed most about him was he had a, a new pair of sunglasses he was wearing. Um, but I, I think he's just accepted just how good he is, and it means it almost won't go to his head because it kind of already would have in mm-hmm. a way. Uh, so I've, I, I think I've got high hopes he'll be able to keep it in and be another sort of not not just incredible batsman, but, but maybe a, a sort of inspirational person like Virat Kohli has sort mm. of turned into. Well, what you're describing sounds. Very familiar, really, in terms yeah. of Cody's attitude. Perhaps not at the same age as Short, when he admits he was a bit more arrogant and had the distractions got to him. But certainly now, um, in that kind of yeah, absolutely self-assured confidence. But is he happy? Is he happy? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, f- for me, uh, faking the grade. New column uh, from Sam Perry, the uh, one of the masterminds of the brilliant grade cricketer phenomenon, um, Twitter sensation, and uh, two books as well on that one. Uh, the Great Cricketer, if you don't know it, folks, you've got to get on it as soon as you possibly can. And Sam um, is, as I say, one of the three-headed hydra of the Great Cricketer. He's writing for us um, from here on in uh, for the magazine, and he's put together an excellent piece, Adventures in Failure, Australia-style. Uh, the new season, of course, is just getting going down under. Um, and Sam's written a stunningly brilliant piece of, piece of work. Um, 
about the returning heroes who have played the summer in England and how they come back to Australia burnished by that 60-odd against the church congregation that turns into an 80-odd. <laughs> um, is it interesting just, it, to read that, that Aussie perception of it? Yeah, that cricket it's well, which We're not necessarily all that familiar with. But. Yeah. Uh, he tells people, this is the character, he tells people he hit 1,000 runs at 40 at a pound a run, even though it was 800 runs in 32 at, at 25. Uh, this is precisely three standard deviations above anything he's achieved at home, but nobody questions it. He also mentions, this is my favourite line, he also mentions that the standard actually isn't that bad, a point he makes to counter Australian cricketing exceptionalism, which still somehow exists, even though England has bested them at international level for more than a decade. It's brilliant stuff. It's Sam Perry. He's one of a number of top quality writers in this magazine. Um, uh, Jonathan Liu being one of them. Joe Harmon being another. Kumar Sangakara is not, not too bad either. And whilst we're on Aussie columnists, uh, we've got two new Aussie columnists alongside Sam. We've got Mel Jones, uh, former Australian women's captain, uh, now uh, celebrated commentator on men and women's cricket. So she's going to be writing for us. Uh, over the Aussie summer, over the next six months, mm-hmm. giving us the lowdown on the Big Bash on Australia versus India, and of course the Women's World T20 as well. So it's great to have her on board as well. Uh, okay, folks, um, we're rounding this one up. Ben Gardner, twenty words or less. What you've got to look forward to this week? Uh, I'm looking forward to the Pakistan Australia T20I series, not because I care at all about bilateral T20I engagements, but because they're they're playing Did for... Yeah, that professional group, right? Yeah. doesn't care about T20Is. Well, but, but I do... Call it I, as you see it. I do it. said the same thing, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. we all do, privately. I mean, in, in this instance, I really do care because they're playing for a trophy which has a, a giant a giant biscuit on the top of it. Yeah, I saw that. Everyone has been racking their brains to come up with the, with the best jokes. What's your best, Ben? Come on. Well, I quite like... I'm, I'm going to say two. I, I quite like it's going to be a cracker of a series, but... It's it's I, I, it's that Australia are trying to be a little less unsavoury on the field. Nice. I think that's nice. Smash you. Nice. Joe Hahn, what you got to look forward to next week? Uh, time off. I'm off to Toronto. And probably won't watch that much cricket in Scandalous. So you guys better cover it next week. King City Cricket Ground in Toronto, I think. Not gonna not gonna make a visit. I'm not sure that's I'm going to see my sister. John Davidson out there, you're gonna gonna pop in and see him. Oh the Aussie chap who smashed it against the Eastern Yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. You're It'll not. be nice, nice to then come. Uh, all right, and it's uh, it's my birthday, so uh, send your messages through. That'll be Friday, folks. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. Uh, same time next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.